I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, Will Lou, and on this week's episode, I've decided since uh, this is uh, releasing on the one-year anniversary of um, The Bounce, I think that's probably what uh, the shot should be called, The Bounce. Uh, where Kawhi Leonard uh, hit the game winner um, to send the Raptors past the Philadelphia 76ers uh, into the Eastern Conference Finals to face the Milwaukee Bucks and eventually to win the NBA championship. And I'm joined by uh, Alex Wong to talk about that shot. How you doing, man? Yeah, how's it going? For those watching on video, did you wear your New Balance shirt on purpose for this? Uh, you know, my office has been temporarily turned into uh, an office slash uh, greenhouse because uh, we're growing some herbs at home. So, yeah, it's real hot in this room. So I had to uh, switch it up to one of my gym shirts. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's not a Liverpool kit. It's, it's not oh, a Liverpool okay. kit, yeah. Liverpool's uh, switching to Nike though, right? Yeah, that's why I'm buying all the, the, the New Bound stuff now because it's on discount. Um, you know how I roll. All right, so looking back on this shot. So first off, you know, there's so many aspects of Kawhi's shot in terms of just like the impact on, you know, the Raptors, the impact on the championship, the impact on different teams like the Sixers, like the Spurs and all this other stuff. Sort of the impact on culture and, of course, the impact on his own legacy as well. But um, I just want to go back and sort of set the tone a little bit in terms of just like, this is what was going on. The Raptors going to Game 7. They had lost Game 6. Really, they went to Philadelphia to do nothing because they really got blown out of that one. Um, but, you know, they come back to Game 7. For me, uh, you know, I had been on the road uh, quite a bit in the playoffs. So, you know, when that happens, when you come back to Toronto and come back to your regular life, you have so many responsibilities to take care of. So, because this game took place in the afternoon or in the evening... I remember I spent most of the morning just going to, like, Ikea and going to get groceries and stuff like that. So um, I was just trying to basically take care of my life. But that was also kind of doubled as a way to sort of alleviate my tension because I was just stressed out before this game. What were your feelings heading into Game 7? Yeah, you know, especially after the way they lost in Game 6, it was just really frustrating because it felt like they just... Like, like you said, they just wasted an opportunity, right? Like, they mm-hmm. didn't really put up a fight the same way that they did in Game 4 on the road when they got the win. And the day of, I remember just going through photos and videos throughout the season, mm-hmm. starting from Kawhi's press conference when he did his laugh, because you realize that if they were to lose this Game 7, most likely at that point, everybody thought that he was going to leave anyways. And it would have been just this whole experiment of waiting during the regular season, waiting through 
the load management, dealing with Kyle's mood swings, and all of it would have been for just another second-round exit, Mm -hmm. which would have made the Kawhi trade not a failure, but it would have been disappointing, right? Like, what was the point of going through all of these emotions and just to get back to the same spot that you were a year before? So that was kind of the feeling going in, and I think there's just nervousness about a Game 7 anyways Mm -hmm. in, in any scenario because... The Raptors hadn't really put together two straight really good games in the series, right? Maybe you would say the end of game four and then coming back home to game five. But otherwise, it seemed like you really didn't know what was going to happen from game to game. So there was just a a lot of uncertainty going to that game. And I think I was definitely nervous for what this meant for the Raptors. Yeah. Um, I remember, you know, a couple of... Uh, Raptors, local writers, and stuff like that. Because by this point, you know, obviously there's lots of, um, you know, ESPN, national media, foreign media, stuff like that, um, coming for the game. And a couple of the Toronto writers, we came together, and we were talking about just, like, what we thought was going to go on. And I remember distinctly saying, like, yo, this is going to be, like, Game 7 against Indiana, where the Raptors won, but it was an ugly game, and the score was in the 90s. So kind of like this this one. Um, and, it, and it turned out to be exactly that way. I mean, throughout the course of the game, so... Sixers don't score the first five minutes. <laughs> but the Raptors only build a six-point lead because they also can't score. And it's one of those things where it's just, like, so, so ugly. Like, it was just such, like, just from the get-go, was sort of both teams at this point had played each other many times. They know how to guard each other. Uh, they're not making mistakes. They have the rotations down pat. And so everything's going right. Really, the time that really stressed me out the most was in the second quarter or maybe at the end of the first quarter, um, Kyle Lowry leaves the game because he suffers the thumb injury that ends up, you know, impacting him throughout the rest of the playoffs. He has to wear that stupid little weird oven mitt around with him. Um, and so for that brief moment, it was like, holy shit, did we just lose Kyle Lowry in game seven? We need him. And at this point, Fred had not done anything in the series. Like, obviously, Fred has heroics against Milwaukee. He has heroics against Golden State, certainly. But in this Sixers series, Fred Van Vliet was struggling to not even get to a bucket a game. Like, he wasn't even averaging that. So, that was stressful. But Fred comes in, really holds the fourth down. Doesn't score, but gets to the free throw line a couple of times. Defends J.J. Redick pretty well. And Kyle, being the warrior that he is, he decides, you know what? I'm going to play through the pain. I'm going to come back in the middle of the game. And they get into the game. Halftime, the Raptors lead, but only by four. Still so much stress. And then the second half was just... I don't know, it, it went by like a blur, even though in, in, in that moment it was just like everything was so stressful. And um, do you even remember how the game got tied? Because the Raptors should have just won this game. The, the Raptors shouldn't have needed the shot in the first place. Yeah, it was, was it Pascal who was at the free throw line? Who was at the free throw line? Was it Kawhi or Pascal? I think it was Pascal, but he split the free throws. Yeah, so the the Raptors were supposed oh, no, to go up. it was Kawhi, it was Kawhi. It was yeah, cool. it was Kawhi. The Raptors were supposed to go up three with like 10 seconds left and the rebound on the sequence jimmy butler gets the ball and basically races all the way down court and gets the layup to tie the game yeah you're right though like even that sequence and honestly the entire first like three and a half quarters like i don't remember anything like every possession was really tense because Mm -hmm. it was a game seven and the game was really tight but it reached a point i think maybe by the second quarter or the third quarter when Kawhi was just on his way to taking like 39 shots in this game. <laughs> where it was like, because you remember, like, uh-huh. I, I know like the Raptors played really good team ball against Milwaukee and obviously against Golden State. Mm-hmm. But they couldn't get that going in that series. Like in that series, it was a seven-man rotation. 
And I think I was looking at the box score. Only seven guys played in this game, right? Mm -hmm. Like Serge and Fred were the only guys who came off the bench. And like at some point in the third quarter, it was just like, all right, man, like offensively, Kawhi is just going to have to do this because there was just nobody else stepping up. There was no flow to the game. Guys like Mark and Pascal weren't really doing much. And which is why, like, I know we've like immortalized Serge's shot over Ben Simmons, the three, early in the fourth quarter. But Serge coming in and giving them those 17 points, the Raptors don't win that game without Serge. Yeah. And, the, the I mean, not only is that three, um, not only, as you mentioned, you know, there was so little offense, that three felt like such relief. Um, you know, and, and not only was it such an improbable three, because Serge has to, like, basically sort of pull up and sort of fade away a little bit, which is not usually how Serge shoots. He's such a set you know, shooter. Um, but it was also, I looked into this, Serge Ibaka was 0 for 9 from 3 for the first six games of the series, and he hits three threes in the in game seven. Just a legendary performance from uh, Serge Ibaka, and they definitely needed that spark off the bench. Um, and as you mentioned with Kawhi, like, yeah, man. I, okay, so I remember at one point tweeting during the game, uh, Kawhi's got to be better for the Raptors to win. And people were like, come on, man, you want Kawhi to do everything. I'm like, well, I mean, if he's going to take every single shot, and honestly, if he if he's needed to take every single shot, he needs to do better because at one point, he was 10 of 30 heading into the fourth quarter. And in that fourth quarter, I don't know how he did it, but he found another gear. Um, you know, what's really important here is that the Raptors sat Kawhi for the first two minutes of the fourth quarter. You know, he had played the entire third quarter, pretty much played the entire first half. They sat him for two minutes. At the start of the fourth quarter, they bought that. Whereas the Sixers, you know, Brett Brown went directly to his closing lineup. He didn't make any changes in the fourth quarter. He played all the starters and he rode them hard. Um, those extra two minutes, I think, really allowed Kawhi to recharge his batteries. Just, you know, not to like a full charge, but just like enough so he can finish strong. And in that fourth quarter, he has 15 points. And of course, as you mentioned, um, you know, down the stretch, you know, it was really just so much of Kawhi. But Again, like, you know, Kyle Lowry is another guy who, in, in this game, he makes so many key plays, right? When you think about the hustle plays, there's that one play where, in transition, someone misses the the the, the, the uh, first shot, and Ben Simmons rips down the rebound, and Kyle Lowry somehow under Ben Simmons, rips it out of his hands, and then throws a no-look pass behind his back to Serge Ibaka, crashing in for um, the offensive rebound and, and the putback. And, you know, him taking charges from Ben Simmons, like, full-on, like, like tackles. Like, these weren't basketball plays. These were full-on, like, just getting tackled by a defensive lineman. Um, and really, Kyle Lowry almost made the game-winning play because the Raptors um, were up to with about a minute of 15 left. And I think Embiid was the one who mishandled the ball. But Kyle Lowry is able to, like, make a great heads-up play, steals the ball, and then passes to Pascal for a transition layup. And at this point, the Raptors are up four with about a minute left. That should have been one of the game-winning plays. But again... You know, a, a series of unfortunate events leads to this moment. And right before that shot was going up, you know, it, during that timeout, um, what were your feelings? Like, what was uh, what was the what was the, the the temperature of the room, so to speak? Yeah, I just remember us being at the arena and just being really tense because the Jimmy Butler sequence really came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like, 
for one second you were thinking, okay, Kawhi is going to make this free throw and the Sixers are going to have to drop a play for three. And at that point, you probably get into a foul fouling game, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's probably a chance that the Raptors are just going to send the Sixers to the line and just see if they can just out free throw them with 10 seconds left. And suddenly the game was tied and, and there's just so much to process. Like, first of all, obviously, you know, you want the ball to go to Kawhi, but there was only like, what, four seconds left yep. on, on the clock 4. at that 2. time. And you're th- also thinking in the context, too, of most likely you're thinking at that point, this game's going to go to overtime. Yeah. Like, you don't you don't know if the Raptors, you know, the Raptors are going to get a shot off. But, I mean, objectively, the Kawhi shot wasn't, like, a great shot, right? Like, mm-hmm. he dribbles to the corner and has to just get it over the outstretched hands of Embiid. And you're thinking, if this goes into overtime, and I know, like, Jimmy Butler has talked about it, other guys have talked about it, like... I don't know if you like the Raptors' chances, right? Because Kawhi has exerted a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the Raptors have a history. And, and a lot of them were shook in that Game 7. Like, they really needed that game mm-hmm. to get over the hump. And, of course, the Kawhi shot goes in. And it's a completely different team right. in the next two rounds. But in that moment, you're just processing all that and thinking that, oh, man, like, this seems like it's heading towards another really disappointing playoff finish for the Raptors that's what I was thinking to be honest yeah and I agree with you you know what I mean like it's really funny and we'll talk about like just sort of the impact that it's had on Toronto and sports and stuff like that but it's really funny just think about the fact that that was what old Toronto Raptors thinking was as a fan what could possibly go wrong how could it go wrong (laughs) and 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 you know expecting that to happen and seeing it unfold um, and as you mentioned, it was a, it was a big hump, you know, in terms of psychologically. I think for the fan base, because when that shot eventually dropped in, it was like, all right, this is finally something right going for Toronto, and uh, it changed completely the ethos of the franchise. We are way way more confident uh, now because of that shot and because of the championship. Um, because yeah, I mean, like if that same if that same situation happened again, I would be thinking about all the ways in which the Raptors can score and win this game and have all those glory. Because you know, it's just my conditioning is completely different um, because of that shot. But before we skip ahead to that, though, let, let's just think about so while that play is unfolding and Kawhi gets to the corner, he gets that shot off. This has been said so many times, and it sounds so cliche, but it swear to God, it felt like ten minutes. Of just between all the bounces. Like, it felt like an eternity. I'd never really been in a place where 20,000 people at once gasped. And there was like a vacuum in the building or something. You know? Because everyone is just sucking in so much air. And it it really did feel like uh, an eternity. And when the ball finally dropped in, it was uh, absolute pandemonium. I remember hugging you, like, for like a solid 30 seconds. And you being like, get off me, bro. I gotta go work. Because you had to run back to Yeah, me. so... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so what happened was Vivek and I had to go with Harrison back to the Yahoo Sports studio mm-hmm. and like I, I mean I was thrilled that the Raptors won but I was really stressed that I had to walk with the crowd outside I, I remember we were trying to call an Uber and you know for context like the, the offices at like King and Spadina which wouldn't have been like very far but like we just weren't able to get a car out there because mm-hmm. everybody started celebrating and people outside were just grabbing like us and like whoever like you know people were just like it was like winning a championship right Mm -hmm. and you know yeah it's funny because i really wish like there's two moments in the playoffs i wish i could go back and experience and that's one of them because it just happens so fast in Mm -hmm. the moment right Mm -hmm. i remember when the shot hit the rim the first bounce 
like your immediate thought in that split second is, all right, we're going to overtime. But of course, the next few bounces happen and just like you're saying, like I can still picture how quiet just the collective crowd was mm-hmm. and just the pandemonium that just happened after is just unbelievable. The mm-hmm. other moment, honestly, was uh, game one, just overall game one of the NBA finals. Oh, yeah. Like it was such a great experience. You know, me, you and Dan Wykey. Oh, um, yeah. The three amigos, um, <laughs> man. Come on. It's a great time. Um, but game one of the NBA finals was just great because I've never seen that building like have that just like electric energy mm-hmm. just knowing that it was an NBA finals game. But like going back to this game, yeah, like – I just remember, like, I just couldn't believe, like, too much happened in that final minute. Like, it was not a pretty game, like Mm -hmm. we've said. And from the Jimmy Butler sequence to Kawhi hitting that shot, like, nobody remembers anything else because all of that stuff happened probably in real time in a span of, like, what, three minutes? Less, less. Yeah, and it was just, and you think about it, I know we're going to get into it, like, it changed the course of so many different players and franchises, you know, not even just the Sixers and the Raptors. Like, it's just... It was unbelievable when that shot went in. Like it was, but it, like you said, it just all happened so fast. Yeah, and, and yeah, those are the moments where you really, you know, wish you were a fan. <laughs> Sometimes you know you we're don't not, have to wish. You know, sometimes you could just choose. Are we not going to talk about Danny Green going uh, one for three for two points in thirty minutes? Yeah, we're going to spare that for Danny. Uh, still a Toronto legend. Uh, definitely love the city a lot. Um, okay, let's let's get to the let's get to the impacts. So. I think first and foremost, the immediate impact is that it, you know, it it obviously affected the championship, right? Whether the Raptors go on and win in overtime or not, who really knows? But I think what that shot did psychically for the team was just it brought so much relief to the team, right? Because at that point onward, you know, the Bucs were having a great year. The Warriors were still out there with, you know, with, with KD and stuff like that, like, it, it was just relief to have gone to the conference finals because at that point, he felt like, all right, I'm satisfied with the team hitting its potential, so to speak, right? Like, I could be comfortable with, if they fought hard and lost to the Bucks, I could be comfortable with that. Um, obviously, they had more potential than that, and they were better than the Bucks. All that's, you know, whatever. But at the time, it was just this relief of just like, wow, like, they really got this, you know, off their backs. And I think that sort of psychic boost really helped in, in two ways. One, I think... I think that relief really allowed the rest of the bench guys to really realize, like, look, we got to step up. And I think for the team itself, like, they really needed um, just more pieces to, to emerge. And obviously, uh, Fred and, to a lesser extent, Norm are those guys that end up uh, showing up for the rest of the, the, the playoff run. But, um, you know, it, it also just, like, it was just a, a toll off of a guy like Kyle Lowry, you know? Like, it changed his narrative so significantly. Uh, you know, Serge was able to get a huge confidence boost in the Sixers series. Um, you know, it, it really validated a lot with what Mark did, and and you know, you know, most importantly, yeah, it, it sent them into the conference finals, and um, it, it it was just it was just necessary. I, I can't really imagine the finals, you know, or the, the championship without the shot, even though it, it they would have just gone to overtime, they could have won anyway. But you know, yeah, I think you make a really good point about the psyche of the team. Because that was like shedding the weight of just all the playoff failures against LeBron too, right? Mm -hmm. Like to know that they were going to almost lose in the second round again. And I feel like once they got to the conference finals, not only did they start – like they were able to just look forward now. Like they knew they had Kawhi and they knew – you know, the supporting guys knew they had to step up. And with Kevin Durant having hurt himself against Houston – 
in the second round like you're not looking past milwaukee but you're really looking at this like okay like we can actually have a shot at not just making the finals but winning the championship right Mm -hmm. And, and i think knowing that you're now just two series away it really does change the perspective and you know like you said man like it just galvanized the team like people talk about Kawhi's performances against the bucks like his defense on Giannis and obviously he was huge in game five and game six to help close out the bucks but I think about game four when Kawhi was coming off what like that double overtime game mm-hmm. and, and he was limping the Raptors needed guys like Fred and Serge and Norm to step up like if they don't step up in game four mm-hmm. the Bucks win that game and they probably just win the series in like five six games so you know so many things like you said had to go right like not just the shot bouncing in but the the Raptors supporting cast really found themselves like just in the nick of time because they they needed that in the conference finals yeah yeah and you were never going to win more games with Kawhi taking 39 shots especially against teams better than um, the Sixers at the time, too. So uh, I think that the impact on the championship, I think, is quite clear. Uh, it's also the defining moment of the, the playoffs. Would you would you say that? Yeah, I think so. It's funny because it's the second round, right? Yeah, that's and the weird thing. It, yeah, it's, it's not like but, they hit the shot and it's the championship. This no, isn't Michael the, Jordan in 1998. Okay. <laughs> no, if you bring up Willis Reed, I'm, I'm shutting this down. Um, but... People have compared it to another Toronto sports moment that happened early in the playoffs, which was the Jose Bautista bat flip Mm -hmm. that got them past the first round. And I think certain moments and the way we're talking about it just carries more weight than what it is like in terms of saying, oh, it was just a second round game seven. Like you think about Dame Lillard's game winners Mm -hmm. in the first round, like against Houston and then against Oklahoma City. Even though those are first-round matches, like those are going to be the moments that are signature moments for Blazers fans for this like generation. Yeah. And for the Raptors, it's the same thing. And and like you said, I think just the context of it for them, like shedding all their demons, mm-hmm. and for the fact for it to happen in such a dramatic way, like if there was a franchise who deserved to be the first team in league history to have a Game Seven buzzer beater. It's probably the Raptors, man. Yeah. Like, they were thoroughly embarrassed the year before mm-hmm. by LeBron and the year before that and, like, two years before that. Like, they – and, and <laughs> like right, we don't need to go bringing, through all that, all right? Yeah, yeah. Enough but that. people kept people kept going over, like, the Vince Carter shot too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. From 2001 and trying to draw the parallels because it was against the Sixers in the second round. Like, the Raptors literally with that shot shed everything – Although I I wonder how the shot would be looked at if the Raptors lose to the Bucks. Yeah, I mean if if the Raptors just lost to the Bucks, I think you know it is similar to a Dame thing. Whereas that shot belongs to Dame, but there is not that much glory given to Portland, for example, and there wouldn't be that much glory given to Toronto uh, without the championship for for sure. So I, I think the championship also really rose the level and elevated the level of the of the shot itself. But man. Um, you know, you're just talking about sort of the psychic, the, the elements and stuff like that. Like, you know, the Vince Carter thing, it is really funny because I was recently watching back at that game and I did a classic Raptors reaction podcast on it. You can listen to it. But uh, I was watching that game and I was thinking like this, the two games are eerily similar. Um, you have just a superstar and I guess in AI, and I guess in Vince, but the soup, it was just a very much like one guy dominating, making plays happen. 
And then, you know, it comes down to that final shot, and, and Vince is able to lift Tyrone Hill and, and get a clean look. A lot cleaner look than what Kawhi got, really, and a lot easier of a shot, theoretically. But, you know, like, it, the Raptors really did deserve it, man. Like, the, all the heartbreaks. To go from losing to LeBron on a buzzer beater the year before that to then having this happen, um, they, they, they deserved it as a franchise. And, you know, it's probably a good time to move on to sort of the impact on the Raptors themselves. I think... I mentioned it earlier for the fan base itself. Um, I remember I, I went back and sort of looked at some of my columns um, from this time, and the you know I was writing ten things the night of, and then I wrote a column the day after, and the the, the column the day after I really focused on sort of um, this sort of feeling of coming full circle in terms of your confidence. Uh, you know, I remember at the start of the year, you know, at media day, they were asking. Masai about, you know, hey, man, Kawhi wants to leave. Like, are you sure you want to do this? And Masai is like, hey, man, believe in yourself, believe in the city. He goes on this huge speech, and it's a classic Masai speech, and it's, you know, so uplifting, and it's uh, it really, um, you know, raises your spirits. And, you know, I think about it as, at that time, when that was said, I don't know if anyone believed that. I don't know if people really had the confidence to go about that. And I think from after Kawhi hit that shot, and pretty much onward like even throughout this whole entire season where the Raptors are third in the NBA in terms of the record at the time it's been suspended um it's just been an entirely different thing I think that shot really made the the fan base and the franchise really believe in itself and that's such a beautiful feeling you know what I mean it's for anybody who's ever had a lack of confidence to move from sort of that into sort of just uh moving through life with confidence it really does change everything and it's made just being a Raptor fan so much more enjoyable yeah, you know, I think Raptors fans are still as rapid as ever. Like, mm-hmm. as you can tell on Twitter, whenever people are just like, oh, Eric Bledsoe is better than Kyle Lowry. Like, what's going on? Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah that's, that's, a that's, a, that's a terrible take, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, you could come up with more creative slander than that. That's just a lie. That's, come on. It's got me cackling like MJ watching Gary Payton's interview in The Last Dance. Um, but, yeah, like, you know, we talked about the experience that this team is able to then go and get against Milwaukee and in the NBA finals. Like you just look at guys, the way they came back, like Nick nurse said himself that all the young guys seem like they had grown by like five years. Right. Mm -hmm. And you you mentioned how great this Raptors team was this season before it was suspended. All that stuff doesn't happen, you know, without the shot, because without the shot, they don't go on to really find out about themselves, you know, in the NBA finals and, and win the championship. And it's just, it's permanently transformed not just the players but like you said the franchise and the fan base like it's really cool to see the fan base like actually be able to have something that they can go to as to draw that confidence from right Mm -hmm. because for so many years it was just a lot of disrespect like they were at they were the butt of every single joke in the playoffs And, and now for them to be on the other side like i think it's super cool and like that stuff I think just lasts forever, right? Like I think Raptors fans of this generation will always be able to call back to this championship run and specifically the shot. And that's going to carry them through even like, you know, at some point if the Raptors have to go through like a rebuilding phase or they're not good again, um, like they'll always have this. And I think that's really important for like any fan base. And there's a lot of fans that might never get to experience this, right? Like you think about like Knicks fans. Yeah. Like, if you're a 40-year-old Knicks fan, like, you still watching Willis Reed clips of him coming out the tunnel? Like, what Like what are we doing, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. No, you'd have to... 
Yeah, I mean, there's just so many franchises, right, that don't even have a championship ring. That's the thing with the NBA is it's so star-dominated that unless you have one of these stars, you're probably not going to be one of these teams with a ring. Um, and, again, I can't stress enough how much the Raptors as in Toronto kind of deserve this kind of moment because, as you mentioned, yeah, there had been so much slander against the team. There had been so many very visible failures as the team. You know what I mean? Like, they get the number one pick and they take Andre Barnani. Like, it's it's... It's stuff like that over and over and over again. And so to see this all-time moment, as you mentioned, the only ever game-winning game, shot in Game 7 at the buzzer, um, and for that to have taken place in Toronto, for that to have been by a player wearing a Toronto jersey, and for uh, a, a run where the Raptors win the championship, like that means so much. Like If you think about the significant moments of, Canadian, of the Toronto sports, like I think the Kawhi shot is number one. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm just too young, and it's not been shown in the Jordan docs. So I don't know anything about it. But like, I mean, how many more moments are you gonna point to? Like, are, is is there maybe like a Phil Despacito like like <laughs> goal or something? Like, <laughs> is that a song, Despacito? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I know it's Phil Despacito. I just it's um, the the only one people are gonna argue with you about is the Joe Carter home run. Yeah, in the World Series because mm-hmm. he hit the walk off home run, and I think that's still probably the like the standard, uh, if only because it, it happened fair. in the finals as well. But listen, I'm with you, man. Like that was a generation ago, right? Yeah, like, that like was. nobody, nobody like our age. Well, we're we, we're like 13 years difference yeah, in age. I was but, gonna say I was a year uh, old. Let's just, uh, yeah, let's time? just let's just group I was us together. Chaps. So, yeah, so so young people like us, like we we don't like we're not gonna be like oh. Well, actually, the 93 World Series was the best moment, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you think about from when you started watching sports, like uh, like following the Raptors and just Toronto sports, how many moments do you really have, right? It's really just this and the Jose Bautista bat flip. Yep. And, like, obviously, you're not following the Jays as closely as the Raptors. And, no, you're right. I, I think if, if you do the caveat of, like, this generation, mm-hmm. for this generation of fans, like, I, I think Kawhi's shot is, like, untouchable. Yeah. And even throughout all generations, I, I'm saying, like, there's, can't tell me there's, I mean, I, I definitely, I'll give you the Joe Carter home run for sure. Touch them all, Joe. You never hit a bigger home run in your life. Great call. Oh, wow. Uh, the Blue Jays also making a cameo in The Last Dance. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's great. Oh, man. Yeah, they were like, yeah, they're champions this year. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it really is one of the greatest uh, moments in Toronto sporting history. And then if you think about the impact that it's had on some of the Raptors' teammates, right? Like, you think about Kyle Lowry, with that championship, and, you know, obviously with this game as well, um, his legacy, his his work, and everything he's done in Toronto has been validated because of that shot. Are people going to still slander Kyle Lowry? Of course. But it'll look stupid. Like, it'll be like, oh, Eric Bledsoe is better than Kyle Lowry. Oh, this, like, this other bullshit. Like, no, it, it really cemented what he's done here. And for all the... Uh, sacrifice and all the you know work that went into what Larry has done here in Toronto, like for that to be capped off with the championship and to have all these moments along the way, it's really sweet. And it's the same thing for like guys like Serge and Mark, right? Those guys are very very accomplished players, but never got a ring. And for them to have done this in Toronto because of what Kawhi has done, because of what they did as a team, uh, it's just really beautiful to me that we can always look back on these guys as champions. And a lot of that comes down to the shot. Yeah, I think, you know, just to go back to the game a little bit, like you talked about this, like you look at the box score, nobody except for Kawhi and Serge really jumps out at you on the Raptor side. But Kyle made like a lot of 
like Kyle plays that you mm-hmm. would expect. And I mean, the Raptors don't win this game unless they play that championship defense down the stretch. Like, I think there was three possessions that, like, pretty sure they were all pretty much, like, 24-second violations. Or, like, the Sixers turned the ball over. Like, there was huge stretch mm-hmm. there late in the fourth quarter. And, you know, it's funny. It's like, I know you talk about, like, appreciating Kyle. And this is just, like, a continuous topic here in Toronto. But it's like, if he's not going to get appreciated for, like, being one of the best players on the court during, like, an all-star game, Mm-hmm. of like the best 10 players in the world where he clearly stood out and people were like actually annoyed that he was like drawing charges mm-hmm. even though like to save on james, the game james repeatedly. harden literally hit james harden literally hit that shot that would have i think ended the game uh-huh. yeah, on the play yeah. that he drew the charge and you know if if they're not going to appreciate kyle after the championship run after what he did against milwaukee and in game six of the finals and at the all-star game like they're just never going to appreciate him and and certain generations there's just going to be a guy who's just going to go under the radar like that and i think people will just appreciate him like 20 30 years from now and i think kyle's just going to be that guy um also without the quiet shot jeremy lynn doesn't become the first asian american to win an nba championship and nick nurse too right like i think mm-hmm. nick nurse really jumped to the national stage in the Milwaukee and Golden State series. Yeah. Um, well, you know, think... he did some good things in the Sixers series, too. Because him deciding to go super big with Serge mm-hmm. and Mark in the front court, with Kawhi playing two guard and Pascal playing three, with Kyle playing the one, is a brilliant move. And if he doesn't figure that out early in the series against Philly on the road, then, yeah, there's not, there's not even an opportunity to hit the shot. But I, I agree. Like, this is... I mean, we're not talking about... We're giving Nick Nurse the Matt Thomas propaganda treatment. Can we agree on that? Oh, I mean, isn't he, like, legitimately the winningest coach in NBA history? Well, that is that is a fact. That is a fact. That is a fact. And, and, you know, it's funny you mentioned the big lineup. Because remember during the regular season, we'd be like, what's Nick doing? Like, always tossing out these different lineups mm-hmm. during games. Because we were just so used to, like, Dwayne just running the same rotations like during the regular season not experimenting and that was one of the things like he played mark and surge together in in different stretches towards the end of the regular season and it paid off like in the Sixers series right but if Kawhi doesn't make that shot and the raptors lose i mean first of all Dwayne has a lot of ammo oh man then nick would have been knocked out in the second round and you know nick doesn't get any of this buzz right because now nick is like other teams are copying nick's defense Mm -hmm. um like nick is like you know he's getting invited well he already got invited to hang out with phil jackson and nick is just talked about with a reverence around the league that i don't think you would get if he loses in the second round yeah so much so much respect uh to nick and now nick uh can talk about how he can walk into the building every day and see a championship banner and a lot of franchises can't say that about a team in the last you know decade um, you know, like in Detroit, but um, you know the other guy in terms of validating their their legacy is Masai Ujiri, right? Because I mean, man, people were really going in on Masai. People were going in on him. People loved Demar Derozan. It was a uh, you know it was a calculated gamble, but a lot of people weren't willing to make that gamble for Masai to make those kind of ruthless moves to let go of the coach of the year in Dwayne Casey to let go of Demar Derozan, who is a beloved franchise player. To get Kawhi, I mean, think about it. If the Raptors lose in the second round, what are we saying about the trade? We're probably saying, well, that was a fair trade. But also, like, the Raptors are rebuilding now. They probably have moved most of the veterans. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not even sure if the development curve for the younger guys still happens in the same way. Hopefully it does, but maybe it doesn't. You never know. 
And, you know, uh, instead, Kawhi hits the shot, the Raptors win the championship, and Masai Ujiri is regarded as the number one executive in the NBA. And he's yeah, so it's funny. It's funny because, I mean, I still remember Masai having to do the press conference here in Toronto, and mm-hmm. he probably just flew back from Nairobi where he made the trade. Mm-hmm. And he was, like, sweating because mm-hmm. the media was just, like, going after him. Uh, yep. Shout out CP24, I believe, asking him whether uh, – you know, Demar's numbers should be retired. Um, like, like that was like one of the first questions he was asked. And I think smart people, like you know, people like us who follow basketball and stuff, like we know how that trade worked. Like, if it didn't work out, the Raptors were probably just going to rebuild anyways, and they would have shed Demar's contract mm-hmm. in the process. Like, it was a really low risk gamble. Like, like the only risk you were taking was that Kawhi was going to be injured or Kawhi wasn't going to report here and play the whole season. But, you know, it was a trade that made total sense, but Masai took a lot of heat for it, right? Mm -hmm. And especially because the city loved DeMar so much. It's funny, like, I think about it too now, like, I think we would look at the Marcus Soule trade differently too, right? Like, if if, if the Raptors don't win the championship, you're like, oh, wait, now we have an aging Mark, Mm -hmm. um, but we lost JV, who, like, for all his uh, weaknesses, is a starting center in this league Mm -hmm. and you know i don't know if they were going to pay delon Wright when he hit free agency but you know you would have given up you would have looked at it as like they really mortgaged a lot of what could have been part of the rebuild to go for a playoff push that ended in the second round right Mm -hmm. but instead like you said you know Masai is being chased by every single team like you remember right after they won the championship one minute later Woj is like the the wizards the wizards are uh circling Masai. (laughs) like okay all right only person oh, I don't even want to make that joke. Uh, but yeah, I mean, shout out for Walsh. He couldn't just waited like a minute for that one, definitely. Um, yeah, like it, it changed Masai's legacy so much. And I think, you know, the thing with Masai's legacy is you want to root for him even more because of what he stands for and sort of it's bigger than basketball with Masai, right? Like I was watching a recent episode of Open Gym where uh, they showed, uh, you know, Pascal going home to Cameroon and around that same time, you know, Masai was hosting a Giants of Africa camp out there. And for Pascal to be able to show up at this camp, be with the players, uh, be an inspiration to these guys. And there's one scene where Masai surprises Pascal because the, the, the Larry O'Brien trophy was out there. And Masai was able to pass that to Pascal. Pascal was able to share that moment with all the all the players there, you know, touching the Larry O'Brien trophy and stuff like that. Like, first up. These moments, again, again, most of these moments won't happen without the shot because obviously the shot, you know, factored in so much. But, you know, because there is a championship, because there is this example, um, you have these beautiful scenes and you have the kind of impact that Masai is able to do. And it, it lends so much credibility. And, and not that necessarily he didn't have credibility. Like everyone already knew Masai was an excellent GM. But it's it's different. You can't go to the, the Giants of Africa camp and tell people like, hey... You know, I once traded Carmelo Anthony when I had no trade leverage whatsoever. Or like, hey, I've re- I got a first round, a future first round pick for Andrea Barnani. Those are great stories to tell, but it's not the same as being like, this is the Larry O'Brien Trophy, and you get to touch it a world away, and and bring it to those, uh, you know, just in, in that opportunity. And, and so, I'm really thrilled for what it did for for Masai, and I really do think that you know the championship as a whole really did change the organization because they just care themselves differently now, man. Like. On media passes and stuff like that, it all says championship Raptors, you know? Like, the Raptors are really, really leading into this. And they should because, yo, they deserve it. They're a championship organization now. 
Wow, this guy's framing his championship media pass now? All yeah, right. you know. Um, no, I think that's a really great point. You think about like Surge and the documentary that he did, mm-hmm. being yep. able to go back home and show his championship and just the amount of pride that people have. Like, You can't quantify how many of these players that are like in Africa or attend the Giants of Africa camps that look up to people like Serge, like Masai, and like Pascal. Like a championship changes that equation so much, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it gives them a goal to really work towards. And you're right. Like like I think it really changed the perception of the Raptors organization. And this might have been unfair because, you know, the Raptors have been a great organization since Masai has come here. But again, without the championship you are looking at a team that's fallen short, right? Like they would be looked at as a small market team Mm -hmm. that did all that they could, but couldn't ultimately get over the hump. But instead they did. And, you know, it's, it's a shame that Kawhi left and, and, you know, that's a whole other conversation that we've had like so many times, but, you know, you hope that this is something that, you know, whether it's a Giannis or whoever it might be, just free agents and just agents in general, will look at the Raptors and really respect what they've done and maybe consider them as a free agency destination from here on out. And again, a championship changes that, right? Like you can't really pitch yourself if you got bounced in the second round. No, it's tough. It's just the narrative doesn't change in that front. And the narrative finally changed for Toronto. So the the impact, you know, again, like obviously all these players contributed to it too. I'm not saying it was just Kawhi hit the shot and everything was there. Like, you know, um, but at the same time, like that shot is such a, such a big point in the championship. And I think it's been really cool. And I think it's just changed like the culture of, you know, uh, as I mentioned, the fan base, you know, the culture and the mindset of Toronto. I think it was a great moment because how many other sporting moments when you have seen like the entire country of Canada rally behind Toronto, generally speaking, if you, Go outside of Toronto. People generally dislike Toronto. They, they either resent, you know, Toronto. Maybe a bit of jealousy because Toronto gets so much attention, and you know, whatever. And it's sort of the center of the universe. Well, I mean, you know, you have like 130 like Jurassic parks all across the country, and everyone's really getting on the bandwagon. That's really significant. Like that's the whole point of sports in the first place is to bring people together. So this was ultimately the, the, the greatest moment. Um, in the last couple of decades here for just, you know, just not say sports in Canada, but especially professional sports in Canada um, outside the Olympics and stuff like that. Um, So let's look at sort of the impact that it's had on some of the other teams across the league. The three I've really identified were the Sixers, the Spurs, and the Bucks. I think those are the three that are most directly impacted. Uh, Let's start with the Sixers. So because the shot didn't go in, um, you have to really consider, like, where the Sixers were at that time, right? Because... The Sixers go through this extended rebuilding process. The you know the quote unquote the process. The tanking is next level. They're they're winning like ten games a year. They're losing every game by thirty. They're playing G League guys like and they're cutting like the rookie of the year and stuff like that. It, it's it's bad. So they had to take a lot of shit to get to the point where they could even be in the playoffs with a Ben Simmons with an Embiid. And they got a new GM because their last GM tweeted and because the last GM before that got ousted by the. You know, Brian Colangelo's dad. It's the whole thing. It's a lot. A lot has happened. Um, but you know, Elton Brand decides. You know what? This is our moment. We're going to win now. They trade for Jimmy Butler. They use a lot of other assets to get Tobias Harris. They want to win the title. They thought they were going to win the title. So when you're looking at four max contract level players trying to go in and 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 you know go past the second round and they failed 
I mean, you know, all the things that we said about, man, how was Masai look if, if Kawhi misses that shot? Well, I mean, like, you don't have to wonder what if. The Sixers are living out that what if, right? Um, uh, you know, Butler moves on. Tobias Harris is there. I don't know if he's very popular, to be honest, because he's getting paid so much. Simmons and Embiid are on the clock. People are saying break it up already. Like, you know, so much could happen on the bounce. Yeah, you know, the Sixers, it's funny because they basically, like you said, made the same type of moves as Masai did. Like, Masai got Kawhi and Marcus Ole, and Elton Brand got Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, we can look back now because we know Jimmy ends up in Miami, and he's been, like, really vague about things, but it seems like him and Brett Brown just, like, did not get along, and that's one of the reasons why he wanted to leave. And and I think he felt disrespected because the Sixers didn't come out and offer him the max at the start of free agency, but... Um, if they make it to the conference finals or if they make it to the finals, probably a likelier chance that they would have brought Jimmy back instead of, you know, switching to like Al Horford and like trading for Josh Richardson. And I think this series and them losing like really changed the perception of what Ben Simmons and Joel Joel Embiid can do, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think heading into the series they were still in the phase of okay this is really like maybe only year two of them being in the playoffs like as a actual like legitimate contender at least in their own eyes and you come out of that series i mean you know you talked about so much people talked about so much about how ben simmons was just at the end of the series just in the dunker spot and he got owned by Kawhi the entire series which i guess is no shame because it's Kawhi, right Mm -hmm. like like he can lock down basically anyone but for me the bigger thing was Embiid. Like, if you are trying to be a championship-caliber team, like, your top guy has to bring it every night. Mm-hmm. And Embiid didn't do that in this series. Like, he actually had a really solid Game 7, and it's crazy to me that he was a plus 10 in 45 minutes in a game that they lost yeah. by two, right? Yeah. And But if you look back at the series, like, he had that airplane game in Game 3 when he had 33 points. Mm-hmm. And ten rebounds, but otherwise, like he had a pretty big, he had a pretty big shot at the end of game two, Mm -hmm. but he didn't really have a huge game. Like, like if you want to be a championship team and if you want to be the guy that leads the team to your championship, like you need a lot more than what MB brought to the table. And you can talk about Marcus Sewell's defense and all that stuff, but at the end of the day, like you either do it or you or you don't. And MB didn't do it in that series. Uh, what's a bigger what if? Uh, what if Kawhi missed a shot, or what if Joel Embiid took Peplo Bismol at any point? <laughs> no, like honestly, like how is he imagine... sick twice in the, the series, man? Yo, can you imagine your franchise player having diarrhea like twice in a in a best of seven series? Like, what's going on? Like, and and that's what I'm saying. Like, when you talk about that series, and it literally came down to one shot, right? Uh-huh. Like, yeah. if Embiid has one better game mm-hmm. or one key game yeah. where he's not struggling the Sixers win the series like I don't know if you agree but looking back that was the toughest series for the Raptors oh yeah definitely I mean that that's the only series I went to a game seven right and um yeah I mean for the Sixers like they are just it's it's been such a strange thing for them because not only does Butler leave but like Butler leaves to Miami and Miami you know whatever they cooled off a little bit towards the end before the COVID shutdown happened but like Miami was ahead of Philly in the in the standings, man, and it was, it's got to be so gut wrenching to see that, you know what I mean? Because you trade all these assets to get Butler, and then okay, so at least they did well to get Josh Richardson back in a signing trade. But come on, we're talking about giving them all these assets, and all you got back is Josh Richardson. That's not what the plan was supposed to be. Um, 
So for the Sixers, I, I think they're in a weird spot. For the Bucks, it's a weird spot for them too because you know it. You know, in the same way that the shot and the Raptors advancing put the Sixers on the clock, put Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid on the clock. Because the shot happened, because the Raptors went on to Milwaukee and ended up sweeping Milwaukee, like you know, the the now all of a sudden the Bucks are on the clock, right? Like they have two more years of Giannis under contract. And, you know, this year, the COVID shutdown happens, and who knows? It sounds like the league is going to come back eventually, but we don't really know exactly what's going to happen. But, um, you know, it really took away a, a year of prime Giannis, a, a year where the Bucks break out, the, a year where, you know, it's an old team, but that old team was productive. They were close to, you know, there were 60-plus wins, uh, you know, and all of a sudden, that whole year is for nothing. And, you know, suddenly you're on the clock now with Giannis, so... You know, like what, yeah. what? What do you think would have happened if the Bucks played the Sixers in this in the in the Eastern Conference Finals? Honestly, I think the Bucks would have won. Yeah, the Sixers um, don't match up well with the Bucks, like especially not back then. No, like like I think I would have favored the Bucks for sure. And like honestly, it took a lot of things for the Raptors to get that sweep mm-hmm. against Milwaukee. Like, like first of all, having Kawhi and Mark obviously made a huge difference. But it's funny. Like, you're right. Like, the clock, the combination of the Raptors beating the Bucks and COVID-19, which I understand are two completely different things. But, like, those two things really... Giannis is basically heading into the last year now, right? Yeah. Uh, unless unless he signs the Supermax. And even if the NBA comes back in some capacity, like, can you imagine, like... Giannis winning some kind of like eight team tournament uh in an empty gym like mm-hmm. people aren't gonna look at that championship like I'm not sure what that's gonna tell him about his team yeah like like that opportunity is gone now for this season and I know this is completely unrelated too but it's hilarious that the Clippers are also on their last year now with Kawhi and Paul George I mean look let's say it happened man whatever that's why you give up seven picks for so you can have one playoff run yeah, legit. Would you rather have Paul George or or Shea for the next like five years? That's very tough. That's at least a, that's at least a discussion, right? Well, yeah, and then you don't factor in the fact that there's six more picks that they could have used to get other players or or, or any pieces. Gallinari could have been a piece. Um, my my favorite thing with the Clippers this year is that they traded that first round pick for Marcus Morris too. They, oh yeah, that's they, right. They really got like four games out of Marcus Morris, man. Oh man. The pandemic really messing up a lot of things, man. Uh, yeah, it, it really threw a wrench in everyone's plans. But yeah, for for the Bucks, you know, it, it's 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 really sort of um, yeah, put them on the clock. And then really for the Spurs, man, I don't want to disparage Demar Derozan whatsoever. I have so much respect for what he did in Toronto, but objectively speaking, in terms of on a basketball standpoint, that trade was terrible for the Spurs. How did I understand that? You know. Uh, it was a difficult situation, you know, uh, there were definitely a lot of leveraging going on in the press, a lot of rumors that, you know, Kawhi was done regardless, but you still have to get more back for Kawhi Leonard than what the Spurs got. Like, DeMar DeRozan has been there for a, a, a year plus, and it, rumors were that he wanted to decline and, 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 and his player option and leave in free agency um obviously with covid you know who knows how that affects it but that was a sentiment for demar at least reportedly and then you know you have aside from that keldon johnson who the raptors who, who the, the the spurs took with the raptors pick 29th overall that's right you, you know about keldon johnson i tell by that expression 
Uh, and, you know, they have Yaka Pertle. Like, that's unacceptable as a return, especially considering Kawhi goes on. And Kawhi is vindicated a lot for his decision because he decided to force his way out, and he won. So the Spurs look kind of terrible, too, as a, as a result of the shot, you know? Yeah, shout-outs to Yaka. I still think he'll be a serviceable player, but he'll forever just be the Game of Zones character now now that he's been immortalized in that and you're right like you know i probably have to go back but you know i think the spurs didn't want to trade him to the lakers just because it was spurs lakers but if you think about the package that the pelicans got for anthony davis like i'm pretty sure the lakers were willing to put up at least like brandon ingram yeah in the trade way rather have brandon ingram and lonzo ball than demar plus oh it's that's not even close yeah like even if even if you were only getting like Brandon Ingram and say like Josh Hart, um, you know whether it was Bro, Josh Hart me, you, or your friend, I was gonna <laughs> say you could give me rappers over everything. Colin host Josh Hart. I'm, I'm down for that trade, man. Yeah, Josh is a great uh, dude. <laughs> and there's like I know like the Celtics are always in those talks, but apparently they didn't want to give up either. I think Jalen Brown or whoever it was. But if the Spurs had any other trade on the table that would have gotten them a younger and a better player and they didn't take it because they just didn't want to trade Kawhi to the Western Conference, like that's just not the way you like do team building. Like Masai, if Masai has to trade within his division to help his team, like you just do it. Yeah. Yeah, if so. you, you got to trade Kyle Lowry for Iman Shumpert and, and Metal World Peace, you got to do that, man. Um... <laughs> Yeah, it just looks weird on the Spurs, man. The Spurs took... I mean, look, the Spurs are understandably upset, right? Like, I'm, I'm sure they didn't like how that situation was handled. But ultimately, what we're talking about is whether Kawhi wanted to force his way to Los Angeles or not, they really botched the chance to, you know, to even have the possibility of... Look, maybe Kawhi's leaving anyway, but Kawhi could have given that 2019 playoff run to the San Antonio Spurs. But instead, it, it went to Toronto. And, and the return they got back for it was just so menial, man. Like, you could have done a lot better for the Spurs. So, um, the the last thing I wanted to cover was sort of the impact that the shot had on Kawhi himself, right? Because I don't know about you, um, but for me, when he hit that shot, all of a sudden we're talking about a guy who is a future Hall of Famer. We're talking about a guy who is, at worst, a top eight all-time small forward. And there's been a lot of great small forwards, you know, LeBron, Larry Bird, Scottie Pippen, you know. Wow, this guy really watching Last Dance lately. What was your <laughs> list a favorites. week ago, man? What was your list a week ago? Was uh, Jawan Howard on it? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was surprised Jawan Howard made an appearance in this, man. Um, you know, like, there's 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 tons, right? There's, you know, Adrian Dantley. <laughs> I mean, Kawhi was probably ahead of Adrian Dantley, but you never know, right? Um, I think, you know, uh, as a bonafide number one guy to come up with one of those biggest shots. I mean, that's one of the biggest shots in NBA history, and it's always going to be associated with him, and it's always going to remember it as part of his legendary playoff run, where he was right up there with LeBron and MJ in terms of just, like, how many points he scored, the significance of what he did, and and the way he carried the team. That changed, you know, Kawhi's legacy forever. Like, we're... You know, obviously Kawhi was already regarded as a superstar, but now all of a sudden, we're talking about a top three player in the NBA um... Maybe top four if you want to put Steph in there. But honestly, he defeated Steph, so uh, I'll give him top three. And yeah, like, it's, he, he and he was the most powerful man in the NBA last summer. 
Let's be real. The whole world was waiting on Kawhi Leonard. We made a whole show for Kawhi. Yeah, it helped launch our uh, video career, bro. Mm-hmm. Right back. Um, Watch right back. Yeah. Um, who was that center? Oh, Kevon Looney. Because when you said he was like the most powerful, remember when he drove on Looney and just like broke his chest? Yeah, in the on. final, he's still not playing right now. <laughs> um, yeah, before I talk about Kawhi's legacy, one more thing about the Spurs. Uh-huh. The other thing is, if you're gonna trade with the Raptors, how did you not extract either Pascal, OG, and if, even if you go down the list, Bro, even, even if, if you got, got like Norm, 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 yeah. or even like Fred at the time, like yeah. literally anybody on the roster, like sh- like listen, man, Pirtle's fine, but like you're telling me if you're gonna give up Kawhi. Like, if Masai was really that desperate to make that trade, he wasn't going to throw in, like, at least a norm in there. Mm-hmm. Like, I like I understand if he made Pascal or OG untouchable, but, like, how did you not extract at least one other young guy you, you, from the Raptors? You can't pass up a chance to get Tiago Splitter 2.0, man. You just can't do it. I'll never, yeah, I'll never get over that package. But with Kawhi, like, I think... It's not just the shot, right? Like, it's the overall playoffs when he was drawing comparisons to Michael Jordan. And it, it reminded people, too, a lot of, like, what LeBron James did with his heavy lifting when, when he was in Cleveland. Like, obviously, uh, Kawhi had a supporting cast, but it really put people on notice that, you know, Kawhi could be this one superstar guy who could lead a team to a championship. And, and the shot and his Game 5 against Milwaukee... Um, you know, his game five fourth quarter push in the finals mm-hmm. uh, when the Raptors almost won the championship on their home court. Like all of those moments put together, like it does send him into a different stratosphere. And it's funny because he was already kind of there, right? Like him playing against LeBron in the finals those two times. Mm-hmm. And everybody remembers the clip of when LeBron sees Kawhi checking in and he just can't believe that, you know, he has to play against him again. But him getting that second championship. And it would have been really interesting to see if he could have won a third championship with the Clippers this year because you winning three championships with three different franchises, like I don't care what scenario you're in, like that's just really impressive to do it with three different groups of guys. Yeah, and that was going to be a great battle for basically supremacy of the NBA because we know LeBron's getting older. LeBron's still somehow at his peak, but you know LeBron is eventually going to get older and show more signs of age. And KD, obviously, because he suffered that injury, and because the thing with the Warriors, even though he won two championships, even though he won two finals MVPs, wasn't getting the full credit for it and definitely decided to leave because of it, um, there was a real chance for Kawhi to be top dog in the NBA. And I would say in that playoff run, obviously, he was the number one guy because LeBron wasn't even in those playoffs. Um, But, yeah, like, it just, it it definitely changes them because, like, first off, how many chances are you going to have to be the number one, uh, to, to be the most important player in the NBA, right? Because you look at last summer, you got three teams just waiting on um, what Kawhi's decision is. Uh, you know, you got, you know, the Raptors, the Lakers, and the Clippers. Um, you got all these teams basically maneuvering this way or the other. They're saying like, oh man, if Kawhi goes to the Lakers, what's the point? We have another super team. He ends the super team era by going to choose with the Clippers. And, you know, it's... um. It's just, yeah, Ka- Kawhi has just raised his profile so much. And, and that shot, again, like, I, I don't think for as long as Kawhi plays, I don't think Kawhi comes up with a bigger chance than that. Like, that's going to be, unless he hits that same shot in Game 7 of the NBA Finals to win, I don't think he's going to have a bigger moment than that. So, Yo, imagine if he did that in Toronto. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't want to know, man. I, I'm Mario Wine at that point. I just... 
I'm, I'm leaving the building, man. Yo, this guy only drops '90s references to the Chicago Bulls or R&B guys. Um, I also want to say, you know, you know me because I'm the brand guy. Mm-hmm. Shoutouts to New Balance too. Yeah. It was a huge win for New Balance because you know this was a few a week away from the Boar Man Gets Paid oral history that came out. I believe it was during the conference finals, mm-hmm. and and they were able to just you know, put Kawhi on like the Young Dundas billboards and sell t-shirts. And, you know, you want to talk about the impact of him going to LA. Like he's just one of many guys in LA, mm-hmm. you know, here in Toronto, like New Balance had a crazy run with Kawhi. Like they, sh- they struck gold signing him just as he was making this push. And I'm on stock X right now. Mm-hmm. And the shoe that he wore in game seven to hit the shot, the last pair that sold in my size, it sold for $1,600. Yeah, um, which is so wild. that shoe has become a collector's item, and um, I know our boy Assad has a pair of those. It's Appar- a blue appa- pair. Apparently, they already broke. <laughs> oh my god, he was trying to he was uh, trying to redo the shot over and over again. But yeah. you talk about th- that influence, right? Like New Balance wasn't cool no. to like a lot of people. New Balance, still and you're wearing isn't New really Balance a- right now. Well, you know, that's you also because I'm a Liverpool fan as well, so, you know, I got to support. Although, they, you, as you mentioned up top, they have changed the Nike. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. like, uh, it is corner, a huge corner, corner taken quickly, but go on, yeah. Oh, very good, very good, very good. <laughs> the, the football equivalent of uh, is this the dagger, you know? Um, but, you know, like, first off, the New Bounce and Toronto thing was just, it was really weird. Remember when the day of the parade, they told everyone to turn their airdrop on? And people were like, "Oh my God, they're gonna—he's <laughs> gonna resign." That it was, was a, legendary, it was a message though. from Kawhi, right? It was just like a message from he was Kawhi. Just like, and I think that was it. He just said, "Like, yo, thank you, everybody. Go wear New Balance, champions." Yeah, and, <laughs> like, and like, and like the minute he left, like uh-huh. all the New Balance stuff just like it was just sitting on shelves, like nobody was like. And, and you know what? The thing for me is like, I, I feel like if you guys can get like those fun guy shirts. Or mm-hmm. Borman gets paid shirts on like discount now. You should get them, man. Like they're like a part of that championship run. Yeah. yeah. Like that's gonna be like a not like a collector's item, but it's a great memorability to have when you know you look back at this in like ten to fifteen years. Because honestly, who knows, man? Like so many things had to happen for the Raptors to win the championship. It might not happen again in our lifetime, and that's not even being pessimistic. Like mm-hmm. that's just how the NBA works. Yeah. There you go. Uh, and then lastly. Uh, what I didn't put on the rundown is the uh, the impact that it's had on us. I mean, like, without this, you're not a published uh, author. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> there is no We the Champs. Go buy it on Amazon. Actually, and maybe that's not a great no, time. No, no Amazon, man. Yeah. Not anymore? Okay, all right. Well, at, at some at some point, you should go get it uh, wherever you can. But, no, I mean, like, just seriously, though, like, in terms of, you know, professionally and things like that, like, we had so many opportunities because of this. And I still think about, like, yo, the first time I ever covered the Raptors – uh, you know, it's just like specifically on this one beat, all this happens, and and we were there to see so much of it. Um, I don't know. I'm just bringing it up because uh, it's it's been awesome for me. Thank you, Kawhi, for doing that, man. No, like seriously. Um, like you know, Yahoo had the idea of letting us do the Kawhi Watch series, mm-hmm. which I think was super fun, and that's obviously turned into Run It Back, and that did like set us into a different sphere in terms of like we were doing a lot of writing and podcasts before 
and now we're doing video work, right? Mm-hmm. And that that stuff honestly doesn't happen unless Kawhi's showing up like on vacation with like a shopper's drug mark bag. So like, bro, why did he, he do that? Us, what <laughs> he a tease, so man! Much, remember him going to the Blue Jays game? Like, yeah. this man was checking off the whole list. And bro, no one was even know, looking for the Blue Jays that year, man. Bro, the Blue Jays were yeah. bad last year. Bro, <laughs> what was he going to watch? Blue Jays probably like hired Keyshawn that day. No, uh, but um, like. Yeah, like all of that stuff. And, you know, it's funny because, like, when Kawhi left, I was really bummed out because, like, nobody was going to care about the Raptors anymore, like, outside of Toronto. Like, all of the national media attention was great, too. Like, I was able to do a lot of different stories. Mm-hmm. Like, I wrote about, like, Jeremy Lin in the New York Times. Like, I was able to do all these things because everybody wanted Raptors content, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, same for you. I feel like people were already following your work with the Raptors, but, like, it's different when they're able to follow it with the team in the NBA finals. Yeah. Right? Like like you no longer had to write about like quitting on MLSC and, and calling them cowards <laughs> yo, in the yo, first relax. round. Relax. I've, yeah, re- yeah. I've rebranded. I've rebranded. Allow <laughs> yeah, me, yeah, please. Take away, take away that championship media pass. Um, but all of that stuff. And I was really bummed out when Kawhi left because I was like, man, nobody's going to care about the team this season. Mm-hmm. And like how are we going to top that? And I think it's such a credit to this team this season that honestly it was probably more fun this year covering the team because less stress you've got the pride of the championship and the banner hanging and this team like did not disappoint they like exceeded all expectations so not only shout outs to Kawhi, but like the impact that he left on the rest of the guys who were able to go on that championship run and now have this championship mentality like it's super cool that the raptors just have that as part of the fabric of their organization now yeah no, this was really the 1994 Chicago Bulls when MJ went to play baseball. Bro, I, I, I know you don't remember, but we were filming these season preview videos uh-huh. yeah, before no, I the season started. Uh-huh. And I legitimately said that, that this team was going to be like mm-hmm. when Pippen took over. And you just looked at me because back then you had only watched basketball from 2007 and on. So now I hope you appreciate all my old references now that you've watched The Last Dance exactly once. Uh, no, but there what? are there are some parallels. You, really you really talk like you watch Larry Bird now. It's wild. <laughs> Yo, I'm, I'm now Bill Simmons. <laughs> I was there physically when. Uh... No, but no, the parallels are the exact same. Mm-hmm. Uh, like so in who, terms of who would have been the Pippin that uh, that refused to go into the game? Oh man, honestly, I feel like Serge is most likely. <laughs> no, nah, Serge is uh, Serge is losing Horace Grant to free agency, and then. Missing that interior presence. And then Serge celebrating. Fred is definitely BJ Armstrong. Um, I don't know if John... John Paxson wasn't there anymore, but John Paxson's Matt Thomas. Um, Okay. I don't know. Who's Kukoc? Do we have a Kukoc? I guess Kukoc is like a younger guy who breaks off. Like, I wouldn't say Pascal because Pascal was with the title team. I don't know, man. Maybe the parallels aren't perfect. Also, I only know the Jordan Doc, so I don't really know much about it otherwise. No, no, no. But the but the overall narrative is the same because people mm-hmm. just wrote them off. Like yeah. I was looking at that. I was looking at that Bulls team when Jordan went to play baseball. Their preseason odds to win the championship was plus fifteen hundred. Wow. So they were basically like I don't know, like the Charlotte Hornets. You like think, people you think MJ just... bet on that. <laughs> yeah. Think MJ placed MJ. a bet with Simbular to bet on that? <laughs> MJ parlayed it with him batting over two hundred, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he won. Uh, no, but like they were like just like complete run off, and like we don't need to rehash this. But legitimately, there were people that thought the Raptors were going to become like the Cavs without LeBron. Yes, yes. 
like like without obviously it was people who didn't follow the team day to day and like i couldn't have you know like we both predicted that the raptors would win like 50 plus games i think yeah. in our preseason prediction but you couldn't have predicted that they would play this well and just really like inspire yeah. the fan base the way that they did yeah and especially if i told you that this team wasn't even going to be healthy they were going to be missing key guys for the rotation every single key guy in the rotation for extended periods of time and for all that to happen and for them to be where they are now, it's it's really impressive. So, yeah, the one-year anniversary of the shot, man. What a great time. But, it, you know, it, uh, you know, nothing was the same. I sound like Keyshawn. <laughs> oh, my God. This guy's going to start quoting Nav. Do you have a Nav lyric? <laughs> uh, no, I really I'm, – I'm not brown, so I don't have it. You know, I'm listening to Anders <clears throat> watching 88 Rising's Asia Forever tour. Holy. So um... – that does it for the podcast. Alex, thanks for coming on. Uh, if you somehow want more of me talking to Alex and Alex talking to me, uh, which you can find widely now, but uh, there is something that you're doing called the Stephen LeBron Radio. What is, what is this project about? Yeah, I just uh, need, need a routine while sports is suspended. So I'm doing a daily podcast episodes Monday to Friday. If you're only looking for Will Lou content, Will Lou is usually the Friday guest. Mm. So the, the weekly Friday guest. So... Uh, we just recorded another Linsanity episode and we decided that we don't want to talk about Jeremy anymore for 18 months. Mm. And we're going to talk about our favorite dim sum items next week. Just so we can talk about how our friend of the community, Joseph Cacharo, thinks uh, fried squid is, is the best dim sum item. So that one's on the list. <laughs> Yo, that one's been, to be my he's surprise. He's been slandered across different platforms. <laughs> <laughs> No, he deserves to, man. Come on. That's not top three, man. That's 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 wild. That's like putting no, Tracy it, McGrady on you or uh, Raptors Mount Rushmore. Like, come oh, on, man. What are we God. doing? Um, Yeah. No, it was, it was fun going through the um, the one-year anniversary. And I feel like you're probably going to do this, like, every year. Um, Yeah, probably. Because, you know, honestly, I remember because I, I, the day after the shot happened, I went into the office. And even though I did a very long reaction podcast, I then talked to you know, big V about the significance of the shot immediately. So, um, you know, in that aspect, you are once again, <laughs> number two behind me oh on this pod. So thanks yeah. for listening. Uh, you know, really, really, I strongly advise you take, uh, 15 minutes out of your day to watch the Kawhi Leonard shot, the reaction videos, uh, what I recently discovered. So first off, it was very enjoyable to see the reactions from the Raptors perspective, but it's been also really enjoyable to search the Sixer fan response to that shot. Cause it's really funny. It's a couple of videos out there of screaming children. Um, and just really take some time today to like really look at it because you deserve it. It is the biggest moment in Raptors franchise history, the biggest shot in Raptors franchise history. And, um, yeah, man. Thank you, Kawhi. Salute, Kawhi. And again, if you stayed in Toronto, you'd be a three-time champion in a couple of months. But unfortunately, you didn't. But uh, it's okay because we appreciate it. And it's, you know, it's such a great thing that it's done so many good things for so many people with the Raptors. So that is it for the podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll have another episode next week. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.